Father, we bless you this morning. We don't just want to sing a song to you, but we will truly want to respond to your love by loving you through the power of your spirit. Thank you that we recognize that without you, we cannot breathe, we cannot talk, we cannot sing, we cannot walk, we can do absolutely nothing. But through your grace and your loving kindness, we are able to respond to a love such as this. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father God, for keeping us to respond in kind to love you and to love one another. And so, Father, this morning, we bless you. That what we just sensed will not just be a feeling that passes away with time, but rather that this is a lifestyle that we move and live and have our being in you, the almighty God. Thank you, Father God, for your word now. We pray your blessing over your word that your ear, the ears of your people are open and their hearts ready to receive the engrafted word of God. And even now, while we sense your love in a significant way, I pray for all those that are here right now under the sound of my voice who may be sick in their bodies, who needs a touch of your love, who needs a manifestation of a healing in any of their body parts. We receive it for them now. We bless your name, Lord Jesus, because we know that love changes things and therefore we receive wholeness and healing in every aspect of our life, even right now, in the name of your son Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, that was fantastic. Praise God. Amen. Brother Kirk, thank you so much. Thank you for helping, for coming to be a blessing to us this morning. Amen. And thank you for uh, the, uh, the praise team and the dance ministry uh, for ministering so powerfully in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'll be a little longer this morning than I was last week. I'm a little more rested now. Daniel, it's good to see you, my friend. Bless you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37. Now, before I, and I'm going to title this message this morning, Living with God's Perspective. Living, L-I-V-I-N-G, Living with God's Perspective. Uh, just in getting to the message, I want to use the airline language. Uh, for those of you that's ever been on an aircraft on a journey, Whenever there's any severe turbulence in civilized nations, may I say, 
it is customary for the captain to come on the PA system and announce to the passengers, Ivory, it's good to see you, my friend. I've not seen you in a minute. It's good to see you. You're most welcome. Yes. It is customary for the captain to announce to the passengers in order to calm their nerves that he's not had a heart attack in the cockpit, that he's aware of the turbulence, that all is well and everything is under control. Now, again, like I said, in some places, uh, that protocol may not be followed, but in most civilized nations, that's what will happen. Now, I'm saying this to say this. This last few weeks, or perhaps month or two, has been a very, very tough one for us here at Workfine. And I want you to know that I'm aware of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It has been tough in a sense that the attendance has dipped some, and consequently, the finances have gone down. Now, let me announce to you, I am not in a panic mode. I want to make sure you hear me and you hear me well and you understand what I'm saying very clearly. I am not in a panic mode. You see, the most dangerous person on the face of this earth is a man or a woman who has heard from God. When a man or a woman has heard from God, it does not matter what else is going on around them? It doesn't matter. Because no matter what happens, at the end of the day, the word of God will stand. That much you can take to the bank. So what I'm saying to you this morning, I'm saying it not out of arrogance, not out of cockiness, But I'm saying this because God has spoken. Amen? Amen. And if we just heed to what God is saying, then everything will be fine. Are you hearing me this morning? So I want to speak to us this morning on living in God's perspective. Now, while I'm at that, let me just quickly acknowledge and really thank those of you who have uh, either sent a note card, a phone call, a text message, uh, words of encouragement, uh, and those of you who may not have done that, but who have prayed and who are praying, I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, want to acknowledge and thank God for you, recognizing that you are a stakeholder in what God is doing. Amen? Amen? I want to thank God for you. I want, I want to particularly thank God for the 10 o'clock prayer times. You guys may not understand it. You may not even think much of it. But I want to tell you that if anything has worked in these last few weeks of turbulence, those 10 a.m. prayer times have worked and are working. And I want to thank all of those who have taken the burden when they've been called upon to minister and to pray and want to pray that the seed that you've sown in prayer, God will multiply back into your life, into your situation, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, 
normally I won't do this, but I, I need to do this in particular. Uh, Tunde and Shadi Loye, I want to thank God for both of you guys. Amen. He doesn't know. He, I didn't prepare him. He doesn't even know why I'm calling his name. You are well. Sister Shadi, you are looking at me very, with this quizzical look and say, what does this man want to say? But I just want to say that in the, in the midst of the turbulence, this man, I'm sure by the release of his wife, has worked tirelessly trying to juggle numbers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You see, if you had three or four, five bank accounts with $300,000 in each account, it's no problem. When the bills come, you just pay this one or pay this one. Or it doesn't. But when you don't have enough and you have to really manage what you have with great wisdom, you have to thank God for men and women that God has surrounded you with that you can entrust. Because, I, listen, I'm not good at numbers. I just spend money. Okay? But, but God has placed people around me that says, Pastor, you can't do this. You can't do that. You need to change this. You need. So I'm saying to you, men, I want to thank God for you. I thank God for what you bring to the table. I thank God for your heart. And I thank God for your loyalty and for the diligence. How seriously you take your ministry. Amen. And for the seed of the time that you've sown in this house, in this kingdom, I pray that God will open the windows of heaven and multiply that time back to you in ways, means, and shapes that you cannot even fathom or imagine. And after God is done with you, it will transfer those persons to your children and children's children. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You, you just don't know what it is to have people around you where you can just go to sleep and wake up and just know everything is going to be fine. I have no language. You see, I paid money to learn English. Therefore, I have no vocabulary in the English language to explain to you what that means. Not to have to worry about, you know, I'm going to go to sleep, you're going to wake up, somebody has defrauded you $1,000 or five. No, 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 no. I can trust my life with this man. You cannot say that with too many people. Even as they shout in the Holy Ghost. You better keep one eye open. And what? Amen? Amen? Now, back about the turbulence. People have said so many things to me. and say, Pastor, what's going on? Pastor, what's this? Pastor, what's that? Well-intending people. And I do appreciate the comments and the things people with good intentions do say, I want, you, I want you to understand, I do appreciate it. But what I refuse to do is to react in the flesh. The worst thing that can happen in a time of turbulence, again using the aircraft, when the plane is going up and for the pilot, you just pull up the nose. Or pull the nose down. Neither one is good. You need to be able to assess what is happening. You need to know what is going on. And if and when you do you do know, then you can respond according to the instruction you are given. And that's what's happening. And that's what's that's what's happening. The first thing most people said to me is, Pastor, you just can't take off and go, go like you're going. <laughs> you're not here, Pastor. 
And I know that this, these comments are well-intending. People mean well when they say that. But I just want to remind us, if it is the work of God, and it has to depend on one man, something's wrong with it. It smells like a rat. Looks like a rat. It is a rat. If God is going to build a wall, a wall can just build it around me, little puny me, has to depend on just me, it can't be God. Jesus recognized that quickly in his ministry, spent three years raising, developing men. And even though those men were clamoring for him to remain behind, Jesus, you are the great healer, the great prophet, the great teacher, master, rabbi, please, Jesus, we love you. Let's eat some more fish. He knew that if he stayed behind, they would never grow. They would never develop. Even though it looked, it was apparent that they may not have been truly ready. Because after his resurrection, they still did not believe that he raised from the dead. Yet, to those imperfect men, he said, go and preach to every creature. Are you hearing me? I'm taking my time. I'm taking my time. In 2004, I took ill, hospitalized, heart surgery. I missed church for six weeks. Six Sundays back to back to back to back to back to back. What happened to the church then? It functioned. It functioned. Five years later, 2009, I took the whole month of December off to rest. Four Sundays, back to back to back to back. In fact, we moved here in August that same year. December, I took the whole month off. What happened to the church then? It functioned. Nobody missed me. I didn't get a phone call or a text to say, Pastor, where were you? What happened? Four weeks. I just, I didn't take two Sundays off. I was gone for two Sundays. And I really just wish there was a way I could take all of you with me when I go. No, seriously. So you guys get an idea? Because I, because I think some people think when, we, when I'm gone, maybe I'm in Hawaii, just laying on this, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Now, that, that would be nice. Nothing could be far, further from the truth. Busy, hard, stretched to the limit. So if we survive four Sundays or six Sundays in 04 and survive four Sundays in 09, why were we not able to survive two Sundays in February? In the midst of what I'll call a revival, so to speak. Because starting November last year, God brought us a word, a theme for the whole, whole year on entering the rest of God. And on this platform, people gave testimonies about what God was saying and doing and how God was moving their lives. I mean, I didn't give it. They gave it. How could we be so far removed from a tangible, powerful, significant presence of God for just two weeks and things seem to fall apart? 
Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. I want to share with us today on living God's perspective. Now, I want you to hear my heart now. I am not angry. God forbid. God forbid. We're just having a down-to-earth conversation. And I'm bringing a word that I believe will encourage all of us at the end of the day and give us some direction. Amen? Amen. January, I mean rather New Year's Eve, was meant to be a reset button. To help us reset our button so we can be focused and take off and doing some great things for God. And we started well. With the fast and all, we started very well. But somehow, in that whole process, we did not connect the message with some practical realities. And that's why we are where we are. Now, let me just say this. Because I don't want to castigate anyone that God has called away. I want to make that very, very clear. God is the one that owns the sheep. We are the sheep of his pastor. Bank Akimala does not own anybody. You see me do that here over and over and over, releasing people when and if they choose and they request to do so. That has never been a problem. If God can bring people into the house, he can take them out. I want to say that again. If God can ask people to join a church, certainly, certainly, at his bidding, he reserves the right to transplant and put his sheep where he wants them. So I am not looking at whoever has gone, and some of them have gone for very good reasons. Will I ask Jeff Anderson to remain in Atlanta when his wife wants him to reconnect back with her in Connecticut? Would that not be madness in my part? I'm going home every night to be with my wife, and I'm going to tell the man to stay here because of work fine. God is bigger than that. Will I ask Izzy to abandon her family and her husband and remain here while the husband is washing somewhere else? Will I ever do that? No. God forbid. Because for everyone that lives, God is able to bring two, three, four, five people. If we do the right things. I want to make sure you understand that. Don't come and talk to me about who you don't see. I'm not a psychic. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't intend to have one. The only thing I go with is the word of God. If you live the word, the word will show up in your life. Perspective. Simply perspective is how you view someone or something or your point of view. How you view someone or something or your point of view. Folks, let, let, let me just say this. God is, is, just, is, is... Let's just understand what God is saying. And hopefully by the end of this message we will. There are so many things happening. A man that wants to take care of his family. Believing God for a job. He gets a job in Texas. Are you going to hold him down here? You can't. And that's happening. It's happened. And it, it will continue to happen. Because God is sovereign. He's God. 
if we can just get his perspective, we will bless those that have been through here, that's picked up some resources and gone and take it with them and use it to be a blessing to God's kingdom. And those of us that are remain understand that God kept us here for a reason and we do what we need to do. Amen? Amen. So perspective means how you view someone or something or your point of view. Now, God's perspective always, always God views everything through redemption. His nature is love and is always planning how to redeem, not punish. Is always planning how to redeem, not punish. And to all the naysayers, may I just announce to you this morning that God is not punishing us. God is not punishing you. He's not punishing me. I don't sense that at all. And I want to announce to all the naysayers, God is never looking to punish anyone, rather to redeem we talk about perspective. We need to understand that this morning. Now, you cannot see as God is seen if you remain committed to your opinion in spite of what God says. <laughs> Let me say that again. You can never see what God is saying if you are already predisposed and committed to your own opinion in spite of what the word of God says. God will never bother showing you anything. Because he knows he's, he'll be wasting his time. Amen? And we have some examples of this in the scripture. Although their perspectives changed. Apostle Peter, after Pentecost, God showed him a sheet of pigs in a vision. And God was trying to show this great apostle about the work he was about to give him to do. And Peter began to argue with God. Why? Based on his predisposition. Based on his prior knowledge and opinion. He said, God, I don't eat unclean things. You are trying to show me something new, but God, this is where I am. But in time, you have to give it to Peter. He changed. He changed. Apostle Paul is another one. He saw himself as the helper of God doing God a service by persecuting Christians all over the place. Until God showed up in his life and he changed his perspective. Jeremiah is a good one in Jeremiah chapter 1. God was trying to deal with this prophet to show him what work he had for him. And Jeremiah said, God, no, 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 I'm a youth. I'm too young. I can't do this. Do you know what my uh, uh, date of birth is. And eventually, God convinced him. So he changed. Are you following what I'm saying? So those men had their perspectives changed. So what I'm saying to you and I this morning, we need to open our heart to see life, relationships, and people from God's point of view. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Put it on for me, please. Talking about living in God's perspective. I may not finish this message this morning, uh, but I'll give enough. So uh, the last thing I said was that we need to be open in our hearts to see life, 
relationships, people, from God's point of view. Second Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18, still talking about turbulence. Paul says, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, the key word there is looking. What are you looking at? That's the key. That's the key. That's the key for you and I. We need to keep our eyes on God. God will never fail us. God will never disappoint us. People will. That's what people do. We fail one another. We disappoint one another. We hurt one another. Therefore, I cannot keep my eyes on people. I have to keep my eyes on God. This is huge. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We just came back last Sunday. I was in Thailand for 10 days, I believe, or 12 days, I don't know how many days, and then from there went on to Nigeria. And the Nigerian time of ministry was very, very stressful. In Thailand, we were stretched, yes. But we had the supply of the spirit to meet that. But what we had to address in Nigeria was very emotionally depleting, painful, stressful. We were settling squabbles and strife and division within the ministry. PJ and I, working hours, trying to get the letters right and revelation, just to make sure we have the right thing, food right, set right. I mean, very, very stressful. And on, on, on top of that, how to minister to preach in a network. Three services. Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And then Monday, I had to go to Ibadan. And I knew what I was going to have to do when I get there. Oh, you, don't, you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Very, very stressful thing. By the grace of God, we had the wisdom of God to do what needed to be done. Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday we left on the way back to Lagos for onward departure back to the United States. Wednesday we checked in and went and sat in a lounge for a couple of hours before the flight. Sitting down there with my wife, my iPad going, which means a mail has come. I thought, well, we've got a couple of hours. Let me just see what this is. Open the mail. Long epistle. The jokers I just dealt with that I thought everything was resolved and done. A whole new page of problems. Oh my gosh. I finished reading the letter. I told my wife, I said, look at this. She read it. I sent a copy to PJ immediately. Send a copy to another pastor. They'll just, man, I can't give you details because the heartache 
Because at the end of the day, you could be a man of God and anointed, you are still human. Because you are dealing with human beings that you know and love and care for, and you see how they are wasting their life, and you know the end that is destruction if they don't take it. Oh, so I became downcast. I said to my wife, all these five days in Lagos, is this is Nigeria, is this a waste? We were talking about that. Went under the gate. Now, while I was checking in earlier, there was a young man that was also checking in at the same time. We made eye contact, greeted one another, but nothing else. So now I'm at the gate, saddled with this letter. And I've already assigned Pastor Mike in Nigeria, I say, look into this and give me feedback by tomorrow. So with that, I took that off my plate, so to speak. I've passed it on, and Mike was going to handle it. So now I'm at the gate. And this man walked up to us, to my wife and I. He said, you are uh, Pastor Bank Akimala? I said, yes. Ah! He said, 22 years ago, you did a crusade at Adam Mashiba Stadium in Ibadan. He said, I remember you and your children. They were young. And I was amazed. He he, he named my children. He said, in that meeting, you mentioned the fact that you were a Nigerian living in the United States and now you are a minister of the gospel. He said, that day, sir, myself and my friend, we made a vow to God that if God will keep us, we will be like you. And that I want you to know, sir, that that word has already come to pass. That he now lives in Buffalo, New York, pastors a work, give me the name of the work, and that his friend that day, they were together, also has a church and a TV ministry in Canada. I looked at him, I looked at my wife. He said, oh yeah, yeah, and he gave me Now, remember moments before that, I was in a dump. And as if God knew what I needed. A man that saw me a couple of hours ago checking in that did not say jack to me. All of a sudden, after having received the bad news, I needed something to change that bad news to good news and God sent this man to just refresh me. He said, Pastor, I've got to take a picture with you because my wife will not believe this. And he took a picture with my wife and I, and off we went. You are telling me about God? You are telling me about God? That one bad situation, one bad relationship, one bad argument, one bad transaction will cast your Lord out of God? Are you kidding me? Could I have remembered the crusade? Of, I was only in that stadium one time. 22 years ago, folk, where has this guy been all this time? I didn't need him. So God didn't have to reveal him. And I'm saying to you this morning, by the Spirit of God, what you need when you need it, God.
God knows how to bring it up. He has in his bank, in your account, loving kindness, mercies, and faithfulness. And at the precise moment when you think all hell is breaking loose against you, God just shows you on. Simon Badaki was with me years ago. Years ago. We had finished ministering again in Nigeria. This time in Kano. Bought airplane ticket to return to Lagos. The pastor had dropped us off at the airport. Wished us goodbye. Pastor, thank you very much. He turned back, he went, he's gone. I'm sitting in the lounge waiting for the flight. One hour, he didn't come. Two hours, he didn't come. Three hours, flight didn't come. Four hours, flight didn't come. Five hours, no flight. We were flat broke. Not one naira in my pocket. And I had five people with me. Myself, my wife, Pastor Melvin Womack of Warner Robins. His wife, Julia Womack of Warner Robins. And Sammy Badaki. All on my account. Finally, they said the flight was cancelled. They were nice. After five hours, they finally said it's cancelled. Watch this. All the time we were in that lounge, there was a man that was in lounge with us. Never spoke one word to me or me to him. Sammy Badaki, do you remember this? All of a sudden, we heard a commotion. Everybody's just running. So what is happening? We just run after them. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Adventures for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> we ran after the commotion. We saw an airplane that just came, that just arrived. Ah, the pilot said, I've been flying all day. I'm tired. Am I, am I joking? He said, but if you guys be patient, my chairman wants me to take somebody to a wedding. I'll come back and pick you up. Please, am I joking? <laughs> Pastor Womack, bless his heart. Him and his wife, they looked at me and said, what, is this the way they run it? <laughs> goodness. True story. So the guy left. Then another plane came. This one said he will go to Lagos. But we had to pay him fresh money. It's a different carrier. I look at my wife, I look at Sammy, I look at Melvin. Five people, not one dime. Hear this. In that instant, the same man that had been sitting with us in a lounge for five hours, God opened his eyes. He said to me, as you pass the bank, I came out and said, yes. He said, would you be going with us on this part? I said, well. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I'm trusting God. <laughs> Sam is there. True story. Uh, he said, well, uh, 
I, I can do something. I said, well, there are five of us. It's, it's one th- you see, this is what I'm trying to tell you guys. When is God? Just take the limits off. Because, you see, man can help one person. But only God can take all of you and say, I'm going to take care of everything. I said, it's five of us. In this man's hand, till this day, he had a brand, like, brown paper sack, like Kroger sack. He said, five of you, he just went to a corner, bam, 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 counted out the money, and paid. Then he said to me, you came to my church X many years ago, Glory House Church, he named the place, Pastor Ice James, I was in the congregation, you were a blessing to me. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to be a blessing to you, sir. This God. Oh, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand. I said, this God. This God. <laughs> this God. Heaven and earth may pass away. But God remains and alive forevermore. You can't tell me. It's too late for the devil. It's too late. I'm not speaking of what I read. I'm speaking of what I've seen, handled, tested, and touched. Flew. My, the, my post pastor did not even know we had a problem. Because if I had called him, he may not even have money for five people to pay it for a ticket. But God had an army bush. Now, finally we can get to Ezekiel. Living God's perspective, that's the message I'm trying to pass along. It does not matter who else has an opinion. They may be wise, educated, learned, your good friend, your husband, your wife, it's wonderful, but their opinion it, 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 it pales in comparison to what God can do. I'm talking about God's perspective. And his perspective always is redemption. How will he make something good out of a bad situation? Always! It doesn't matter how far gone you've been. Ezekiel 37. Ah... Uh, but you see, you will not appreciate Ezekiel 37 if I didn't read Ezekiel 36. You've been hearing what we've been saying about the new covenant. You heard what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Are you a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? That was the question Jesus asked Nicodemus. Now, why will he be expecting for Nick to know these things if these things had not been written. He said to Nicodemus, concerning the new birth, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? And this was in John chapter 3. Which implies that somewhere in the Old Testament, God had already revealed the plan which is to come. You see, the Old Testament is the new concealed. 
and the New Testament is the old revealed. So Ezekiel 36 as a precursor I'm preparing the context for Ezekiel 37 from verse 24. Ezekiel 36 verse 34. Verse 24, I'm sorry. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you keep my judgments and do them. This is what Hebrews 8 and Hebrews chapter 10 repeats back to us as part of the new covenant. I don't have time to read all of that again now. Verse 28. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. You shall be my people and I'll be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that you are not good. And you will love yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confronted for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus said the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you, that's grace, to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. The nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like a flock. Like a flock offered as holy sacrifices. Like the flock at Jerusalem on its feast days. So shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. That's the context. God just delivered a series of powerful promises of blessings to Israel. Within which we have the promise of the new covenant. Now, with that in your back, in the back of your mind, look at verse 1, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. First of all, you need to understand something here in this context. Ezekiel's name means God will strengthen. God will strengthen. 
And looking at the context here, Israel just received a powerful set of promises from God about the blessings that God was to bring upon the nation. But in the very next chapter, instead of seeing the desolate cities filled, instead of seeing the increase that God promised, we are told that Ezekiel found himself in the valley of dry bones. This is nothing like what was promised them a few verses before this. God promised something nice, wonderful, powerful. But in Ezekiel 37, it opens up by showing us a valley of dry bones. Now, before I get into that, don't miss verse 1 of Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me. So whatever is about to be said to us was initiated by the hand of God that was upon him. Not the opinion of the people of Israel. Not the opinion of his father or mother or his friends. As good as those opinions may have been. And what I'm saying to us this morning is my perspective and your perspective for living must be God's perspective. That's when you can be assured of success and confidence in your work. Oh, time will not permit me. Because when these things broke in Nigeria, I told my wife, I told my wife, all the perpetrators of what was happening, I told her, I said, God has never, God will speak loud and clear and expose them. I was confident of it. Regardless of what they said to me with their lips and the arguments and the establishment. Okay, you said this, you said that. You can deceive me. I'm mortal, I'm man. You can. But you can never deceive God. This, listen, it's happened so many times I'm confident of it. Years ago, we had a guy that headed the ministry. And one of the staff members came and brought an allegation of sexual harassment. I got there, asked the man, is this true? He denied it. And once he denied it, and I could not find substantive evidence, I simply said to the peer, offense appeal, I, I, I will not accept or receive any further accusations against him. Do you remember that? Watch this. I was leaving the premises and a young lady was so hurt that she had not been heard well, that I had not disciplined the man, that I had not done something that she wanted to sit down. So she wrote a long letter and as I was getting in the car, she was trying to pass the letter to me to make a bigger case. I took the letter. I said, I hear you. I appreciate you trying to make a case. I said, but you know what? God is going to have to be the judge. And I gave the letter back to her. I didn't even read it. I'd, listen, I am not God. But I know him. That's what happened. 
me and Sammy and Wally Banks got on a bus from Abidjan, Côte d'Ivoire, to Danane, an overnight bus. Ah, we've been to some places. In the bus, minding my own business. Just as if a human being was speaking to me face to face. The word of the Lord came to me. He that condemns the just. And acquits the unrighteous. Both are an abomination. This is a scripture I did not even know existed. That word came to me on the bus in Cote d'Ivoire. I turned around immediately to Simon. I said, Sammy, this person is guilty. Not because of a woman's accusation now, but because God has accused him. Listen, if, if you guys will just understand how God functions, I'm telling you, you are fighting some battles, you are wasting your time. With that scripture, armed with the word of the Lord, we return back to the situation. And I called the man and I said, man, they brought the case against you. I dismissed it because I believed you. I said, but now God has spoken against you. This is the word of the Lord. He couldn't deny it. Someone was there. The same man that was about to argue with me and just ah, called F. Lee Bailey and Johnny Cochran. Immediately the word of God came. It became gentle. Why are you fighting battles that God has not given you? Why would you not allow the hand of God to be upon your life? Let God be the one as the judge, the king and the lawgiver. You see, that can only happen if your disposition is neutral. It will never happen if you have a preconceived judgment against human beings. Who are you, oh judge, to judge another man? Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. I enter into every situation with objectivity. It does not matter how much I dislike you, I am going to be objective because what? I don't want to be blinded in my justice and be against God. The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. Even though the circumstances that he was looking at were terrible. Dry bones all over the valley. And the Bible says many, many dry bones. Many. But he did not judge the matter. He did not interject his own perspective. The Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon him and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. So my question to us this morning as we go on in this message, what is influencing your thinking? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it personal hurts? Is it rejection? Is it offense? Or is it opinions of others? What is influencing your thinking? This is huge. Huge. 
God's heart is always to strengthen us, to empower us. So in this situation, which looked very terrible, the hand of God was upon Ezekiel. And I want to say to us this morning, Isaiah chapter 41 verse 1, the Bible says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There are many, many valleys, many, many of them in the scriptures. I don't have time to go through all of them. A valley is a low place. A place where battles are fought. Where armies clash in war. You have the valley of shadow of death, Psalms 23. You have the valley of Baca, Psalms 84, which means weeping. You have the valley of Zorak, Judges chapter 16, verse 4. You have the valley of Rephaim, a place of giants, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 22. You have the valley of Achor, which means trouble, Joshua chapter 7, verse 24, 26. You have the valley of Elah, which means oak, oaks of righteousness, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 2. And here we have the valley of dry bones, which is a consequence of a great battle and people that have been overcome. The valley of dry bones is significant of a battle that has been fought and people that have been overcome. But may I say this to us this morning? Our conflict is never with people, but with evil spirits that set on destroying people. So you need to understand that. You need to understand that. Stop fighting people. God has placed people in your life to be a blessing to you. Okay? Now, let's begin to break down this. Uh, let's see. Let me take a few more minutes to just break this down and then we'll continue next time. Number one, in Ezekiel 37, we are told that the bones are dry, which means it lacks life, vitality, or lacking in the Holy Spirit. So the question then is, what causes bones to become dry? What causes bones to become dry? Simple. Answer is in Proverbs 17 verse 22. Broken spirits dries the bones. Let me just go read it. Proverbs 17 Verse 22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. Ah. So then what causes a broken spirit? Let's find out. Proverbs chapter 15. Again, verse 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful Continence, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Sorrow comes through rejection, betrayal, trauma, abuse, or disappointment. This is the reason where you can never underestimate the power of high praise. And may I just say this at this junction. With everything God has given us over the last couple of months, 
apart from a few spots, a couple of Sundays that I'm aware of that I can remember, when Brother Rotimi came on and spoke some things prophetically and just threw some things out there, apart from those couple of Sundays, and this morning, we've not had the kind of high praise that can sustain in the wings of the Spirit what God has been trying to do here. This is not an indictment on anybody. I'm just speaking now and you're going to see as we move in this message. That's just a fact. We have longed for that day when during praise and worship, what happens in praise and worship? We are anointing our head. The Lord Jesus. That's what happens. You are anointing him like Mary did before his burial. And when you anoint the head, the result is automatic. There will be a flow from the head down to the body. So if we do it right and key in right and seek the heart of God, I am saying to you, you will begin to see in praise and worship deliverance that 19 hours of prayer can never accomplish. Without anybody touching anybody, chains will break. Shackles will be loosed. Men's mind and women's mind will be open. Their hearts receptive. There will be no demon in hell that can stand around the fire that is stoked and on the high praise of Jehovah. It's not possible. That's why the enemy fights music so badly. That's why Lucifer camps in prison worship teams. To make sure it's never done right. To make sure we don't get to that point. Because when we get to that point, you will now need a man to preach. When it gets to that point, you will not even know who is in church or not in church. Because you yourself will be lost in his worship. In his presence. Look at the song we just sang about majesty. Grace, find me just as I am. He said, but your love changed me. So grace is not just to find us. That's just half the work. Where the true grace of God is present. Where the love of God is manifest. Not only will it find you and locate you just as you are, wherever you are, it also changes you. Also changes you. Dry bones. Secondly, in this Ezekiel 37, hope is lost. If I let, let me read it. Let me read it. Ezekiel 37, verse, uh, verse 11. Verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Now, what's happening here is, God just first gave him a symbolic expression of everything. Dry bones in the valley and, and prophesy and the bones came back to life. Now God is not telling him what that whole picture meant. In verse 11 it says, these bones are the house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. That's number one. The Israelites were saying our bones are dry. Secondly, they're saying our hope is lost. Many people, as I was speaking last week, 
they've lost hope. And that's one thing you and I cannot, cannot afford to lose. No matter how many people have come and left, you cannot lose hope. You should not lose hope. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the foundation upon which faith can be built. If you have no hope, you have nothing to lay your faith upon. So for Israel, they were saying, our bones are dry, our hope is gone. What happens? How do we lose hope? We lose hope because of delays, setbacks, difficulties. Without hope, there's no expectation of God. Therefore, we continue to have a negative outlook on life. When Peter lost hope, as we saw last week, he went fishing. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, because Jesus had been crucified, they were downcast, discouraged, they had lost hope because they thought it's all over. And then, number three, so number one, bones are dry. Number two, hope is lost. Number three is the consequence of the first two. It says we are cut off. We are cut off. What does that mean? What does that mean to us at Workfront? People are disconnected from relationship to God and from people. Cut off. They feel isolated. They feel rejected. They feel there's no place for me. First, the bones are dry because there's no praise. There's no joy. Next, the hope is gone because then you have no hope. What am I in it for? What is my expectation? What's God going to do for me? And when the first two is, is dismantled, the third one is automatic. Cut off. And that's exactly what the enemy orders. Cut you, isolate you from people that care for you. Disconnect your relationships. Tell you that there's no place for you. And you listen to that long enough, you buy into it. And then you're finished. But God forbid. I say, God forbid. That is not our Lord. That is not our portion. So you need to understand that God sees what is happening, but his focus is on what will be. God is not focusing on Human failure, but on his faithfulness. Very quickly, can these bones live? God asked Ezekiel. In other words, to me and you at work friend, can this turbulent situation change? Thank you. You are getting the message. God already has the answer. He's only waiting for our perspective to change and line up with his. Can you see a positive future in the midst of difficulties? What do you see? Bones or armies? I see armies, not bones. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's what Paul said in Romans 15 verse 13. He said, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ah, let me just let, let me just find a good place to end this. Oh my God. Okay, let's go to verse twelve, very quickly. It's twelve forty nine. Verse twelve. 
Therefore, this is God speaking, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people. Did you know this morning you are God's people? Oh, you're not answering like you really are God's people. Behold, O my people. Hallelujah. I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. Verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land then you shall know that I the Lord have spoken it ah, and performed it says the Lord and I'm not going to break this down this Sunday I'm going to ask you to come back next Sunday for me to break this all down but let me just close on this note notice that verse 14 again please put it on there for me look at what it says then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and will perform it. No, no, no. I don't think you guys saw it. Did it say I will do it? It has already been what? It is a finished what? I only have five people here. How many of us are here in this place? God says I'm not going to do it. I have already performed it's a past tense, finished work, completed work. It's not something that's about to happen. It is something that's already in the bank. It is already done, done, done. How do you know that bank, Akinmala? I'm glad you are asking. Because now I'm about to close and tell you how I know it. Because in Numbers 22, there was a wicked king that wanted to curse Israel. He said, go and hire me a prophet. Go and hire me Balaam. Let Balaam come and help me curse these people. Because when I look at these people, they are a peculiar people. They are a chosen generation. They are a holy nation. They are a people called a part of praise God. Therefore, please, come and help me curse them. So they went. And they gave them good money to go and hire Balaam. And they came to Balaam and said, Balaam, Balak needs your services. There is a people here who are peculiar. They are chosen. Everywhere they've been, they have a proven track record. They are dangerous people. They are people that God loves. Nobody has been able to defeat them. Nobody has been able to stop them. I don't want them around me. So please, come and help me cast them. Ah, Balaam says, you don't know what you are asking for. I cannot curse whom God has blessed. Hallelujah. But see, this king, this king will not relent. He will not relax. He sent more money. I said, listen, you need to come quickly. Three times he did that. Please, because I want you to know why you are shouting. Let me take you to the scriptures itself. In Numbers chapter 22. Hallelujah. I'm saying this so you know. You are not under a curse. You are not under a spell. There is no wizard. There is no witch. There is no demon. There is no divination. 
there is no devil that can't stop you. It is absolutely impossible. I don't care how many sacrifices they're offered against you. I don't know how many places they've taken your name. I'm here to announce to the principalities you are not going under. You are going over. You are not going down. You are going up. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Look at Numbers. Let's just take the time to read this together. Numbers 22. Ha ha ha. Verse 7. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviners fee in their hand and they come to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak verse 12 I'm jumping and God said to Balaam you shall not go with them you shall not curse the people for they are blessed if you've not heard it before I want you to know this afternoon you are already blessed he's not about to bless you he has already blessed you. How do I know that? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says God has blessed you in the heavenly places with all kinds of blessings in Christ Jesus. Your problem is not God. Your problem is not a man. Your problem is not a woman. There is no man or woman, witch or wizard that can stop what God has already done what God has already set in motion in your life it is not possible we are not under a curse there is no spell verse 15 verse 15 then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they if one witch could not stop you and they now send two witches and five wizards I want you to know what one wizard could not accomplish 20 of them will not do why? because we are not talking about something that's natural here we are talking about the supernatural ability of the blood of Jesus Christ to protect you to be a hedge around you as the mountains is run about Jerusalem so the presence of God is run about you the fire of God is all around you hallelujah watch this verse 16 and they come to Balaam and said to him thus says Balak the son of Zippor please let nothing hinder you from coming to me for I will certainly honor you greatly I will do whatever you say to me therefore please come curse these people for me it does not matter how many meetings they are having about you it does not matter how many counselors has come against you I am telling you it will not work it shall surely fail because the Lord your God is with you hallelujah and if God be for you no one can be against you then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold I could not go beyond the word 
of the Lord my God to do less or more. And I want you to know that Satan, even as we speak, is only a servant. He cannot go more or less according to the word of the Lord. And the last time I checked, God is still in the blessing business. He wants to bless you. He wants to daily load you with benefits. Verse 41, Numbers 22. Verse 41. So it was the next day that Balaam took Balaam and brought him up to the high place of Baal that he might observe the extent of the people. Ah! Satan said, look at these people. Look at this Derek. He's wearing a nice jacket. My goodness. Look at Lefty. I'll try to kill him, but the man is still alive. Look at Banka Kimola. Look at Lucky Jaja. I, 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 I almost ran a truck over him. He's alive, he's still breathing. My goodness. Look at this one. Look at that one. Look at this one. They're still here. Balem, look at them. Look, look. Look outside. Have some witches and wizards. Look at them. Please do something. Numbers 23. When you have time, you should actually read the first six verses. Ah, I need to read it. I need to do justice to it. Chapter 23, verse 1. Then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here, and prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Barak, stand by your bond offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a desolate height and God met Balaam and he said to him, I have prepared the seven altars and I've offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and he said, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering. He and all the princes of Moab, when God wants to elevate you, he will not do it in secret. All your enemies, all those who have opened their mouth in reproach against you, God will line them all up and with their own eyes and with their own ears they will hear. So he returned. He and all the peace of Moab and he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me and come, denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob 
or number one fourth of Israel. Let me die the death of righteous and let my end be like his. Then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? Instead of cursing them, they are increasing. I come to your I took you to curse my enemies and look, you have blessed them bountifully. Ah, he just started. Let them keep on talking. Let the naysayers keep on naysaying. For every naysay, God will multiply their blessings upon his people. So he answered and said, must must I take heed to speak what the Lord has not put in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, please come with me to another place. Maybe another location will do better. From which you may see them. You shall see only the other part of them and shall not see them all. Cause them for me from here. Ah, okay. Let's change locations. So they are going from house to house now. They left Lawrenceville. Now they went to Snellville. Now they go to Dakula. Now they don't. Let's just speak negative stuff. So he brought him to the field. Let me cut it short. Verse 18. Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. <laughs> God is not a man that he should lie. Not the son of a man that he should repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob nor has he seen wickedness in Israel the Lord is God is with him and the shout of a king is among them God brings them out of Egypt he has strength like a wild ass for there is no oh glory to God there is no sorcery against Jacob. There is no sorcery against Bank Akimola. There is no sorcery against you. Nor any divination against Israel. Nor any divination against Wafan. Oh my God. Hey! Oh, glory to God. Ha ha ha! Oh, glory to God. For there is no sorcery against Jacob nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel. Oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. He shall not lie down until he devours the prey and drinks the blood of the snake. That's what God is saying about you. It's not a man that is should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Three times Balak went and brought Balaam. Three times. Three times. Number one, he blessed them. Number two, he blessed them. Three times. Kai. Third time. And this is closing. Numbers 24 verse 1. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times. 
to seek to use sorcery. But he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. That's huge. They were encamped according to their Where God praised them, that's where they were. They didn't break rank. And the spirit of God came upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, The alternance of Balaam, the son of Baal, the alternance of the man whose eyes are opened, the alternance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. What did he have to say about Jacob? What does he have to say about you? What does he have to say about me? How lovely are your tents, O Jacob! Your dwellings, O Israel! Like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than the Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, the enemies, enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you. And cursed is he who curses you. My friends, that is your portion. That is your portion. You are a blessed people. There can be no sorcery worked against you. Nor any divinations to the glory of God. That is your inheritance. That is the word of the Lord to you. Get God's perspective. Now the message is not finished. I just found a place to cut it. So we can move on. Because there are things we need to do. Amen? Amen. Be encouraged. Stay focused. Keep your eyes on God. Not on me. Not on other people. But on God. Get your perspective from God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against a spirit of discouragement among your people. Every lie of the devil concerning your inheritance that is in the saints, we annul, we cancel, we nullify in the name of Jesus. We are not going under at all. We've only been empowered to go over, to be a blessing to your kingdom here in this country and in the nations of the earth. And so, Father, we thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the honor. We bless your name for what you're doing. Strengthen every feeble feet, every feeble hand. Strengthen them. Encourage your people through the power of your word. Thank you for your miraculous. Thank you, Father God. We bless you. We praise and we magnify you. Now and forever. In Jesus name. Amen Amen and amen. Just give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. 